Good morning, everyone. We are so glad you have joined us this beautiful Sunday morning to be encouraged, uplifted, and to receive God's word through our praise and worship and from Pastor Aaron's message. You can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app with the notes for the sermon under the events tab. Thank you for your continued giving to River Rock Nazarene. RiverRockNaz.com has a giving tab for that purpose. Prayer night will continue on Facebook Live Wednesday night, May 6th at 7 o'clock p.m. Small groups are happening throughout the week via Zoom. And for more information on that, you can contact the church. Have a blessed day. Good morning, church. We're glad you're joining us this morning. Would you just worship with us? sing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So grateful for His grace today. Amen. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the King of glory the King above all shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above our kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my you lay down your life, and I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos? Back into order, who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. Failing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life, and I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. the lamb who was slain worthy is the king who conquered the grave worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy is the king who conquered the grave worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy is the king who conquered the grave worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy 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 
This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me Ooh, all that you've done for me You're never gonna let me down 
Malachi 1 verse 11 says, From the rising of the sun to its going down, my name shall be great, and every place incense will be offered to my name. In every place, in every household, here and around the world, incense will be offered to my name. The Bible states many times that prayers and worship and our lives will be lifted up to the Lord as a sacrifice. The sweet smell of incense, of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, our King of Kings, our giver of hope today. Amen. Oh, 
of who you are, God. And the great thing is, God, that even if our hearts or our emotions right now maybe take us to a place where we think we're distant from you or far away, God, that, Lord, you want to draw us back in, that we can reflect your glory to all those around us, God. Lord, as we continue with your word today, God. We just ask that as we have lifted your name up today, God, that in our hearts you would be lifted high, in our lives you would be lifted high, in our circumstances that you would be lifted high. That, Lord, if, if everything else was taken away, God, that there would be one thing that would remain, and it is you, 
and your faithfulness and your promises and your love and your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we thank you that we can stand in that today, despite any circumstance or any situation, God. Let's lift you up. In Jesus' mighty name. Sure, he wouldn't sink. 
But now, let us bring all of our fears to Jesus. Dear Lord, I ask that you be with each one of us, each one of our little river Rockies, and help calm all their fears and calm, their, calm the storms that they have in their hearts. In your name we pray, amen. You got there. A lot of the salt is in the middle. 
let's go ahead and mix it up a little bit. Didn't change much, did it? No. No? Here, let's get a good spoonful. There we go. So that was two. Okay, go ahead and put it in. Then will the salsa stick into the egg? It'll melt. Dissolve. Not melt. Keep stirring. It's above the water, right? It's 
the egg is walking on the water. So how do, no, you don't need to. You don't need to add another scoop. How does this compare to the story? How does this compare to our story? The egg is Peter and the salt is the faith. Right. God. Right. And the more there I is, I can kind of the more you look. That the egg has some cracks. The, the egg is fine. The, the egg is fine. So that's right. The more, the more faith we have in Jesus, the more he's going to help us with our fears. Right? It's higher than the water. It is. Oh. It's floating. Good job, guys. Thank you so much for your help today. I really appreciate it. Hey there, good morning. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Ambika. Love our worship time. Love the, the diving into the word with the children. Love the fact that we can meet together even though we're apart. We are uh, headed into our third part of Nehemiah today. We're continuing on with that book. Why don't we open with a word of prayer? Father, I thank you today that we can meet together. Father, I thank you that we can join together. Father, I pray that you will be with us today as we dive into your word. Father, I pray that you will open it up and let it come to life for us. Father, I pray that you'll be with us during this time when we're not actually at the same spot, but help us, Father, to continue to dive into your word, continue to connect, and continue to hear from the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you. In that name we pray. Amen. Hey, just a quick update. I want to let you know that we as a church board are meeting every Monday night. Tomorrow night we will be meeting again and we'll be evaluating this whole process of phase one coming out of COVID-19 and when we can meet together as a group, when we can all come together and creatively how that can happen. I'm asking you and inviting you to be praying for our board, for um, myself as we come together and figure that out. So hopefully in the next couple weeks, next few weeks, we'll be able to all be together. Be praying about that and, and be leaning in and listening with us as we take God's wisdom and we make this happen. So again, I ask you, be praying about that and we will soon, soon be encouraged to see all of our faces together. Plan on that. We're gonna continue on today in Nehemiah. We're gonna look at our uh, third week, part three, of um, Nehemiah and, well, Nehemiah the good work and how that, that all came about. And we're gonna look at what Nehemiah faced. This week we're looking at facing opposition. We're looking at, at Nehemiah doing the good work, the people with them doing the good work and how they face the opposition. Isn't it interesting how every time we do God's work, we wind up facing opposition? In fact, if you look in scripture, I think we can always find a few people who faced opposition. Let's see, Adam and Eve had the serpent, serpent. David had Goliath, Moses had Pharaoh. Go on through the list. You can go into the New Testament and you can see where there were many different obstacles and many different opponents. Jesus, well, I think he had a few opponents, didn't he? We can look and see how all this comes in every time we start to do the work of God. We are going to have obstacles that come our way. We're gonna have opposition that come our, comes our way. Perhaps this is the first week you're joining us in this series. Let me give you a quick recap of where we're at and how and why Nehemiah is even getting opposition right now. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. He was a servant. And years ago, 
years before this, the Babylonians came in and tore down the Jerusalem walls and took Jerusalem captive and tore down everything they had. And decades later, when they released the people they had from captivity, they released them and they, they went back and they went to rebuild and they were just defeated. They couldn't get it down. And Nehemiah, who was the cupbearer to the king, the servant to the king, the, the guy who had the king's ear only when they were, you know, they had a good relationship, but he really wasn't in any leadership position. He really had no pull. Nehemiah hears about it. It breaks his heart. He prays for four months about it. And then he goes back, talks to the king. The king releases him, and he goes back to do the good work. He goes to do the hard work. He goes to do the difficult work. He goes, and he, he, he had prayed about it for four weeks. He went. He defined the vision clearly. He got a plan. He inspired people passionately. And he went, and they, they started to do the good work. But every single time that happens, opposition will show up. Every single time you start doing the good work, opposition will show up. We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 4 today, and we're going to see how that opposition showed up in the life of Nehemiah. Look at chapter 4, starting at verse 1. You heard the announcement about you version. The notes are on you version if you want to go grab them from there. But in Nehemiah chapter 4, starting at verse 1, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. So he's standing there ridiculing the Jews. He's standing there letting them know how bad they were. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Stop right there. What are those feeble Jews doing? Feeble, if we go back, not the, the English translation, but if we go back to the Hebrew text, feeble really means a flower that's been chopped off, hopeless, lifeless. So basically what Sambalat's yelling at them is, what are these hopeless, lifeless people doing? They can't do that. They can't accomplish this goal. Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? <coughs> You're not carpenters. You're not masonries. You're trying to build these gates. You're trying to build these walls. Read chapter three about the gates. You're trying to build these gates. You're trying to build these walls. You can't do it. You're not that person. What do you think you're doing? You're feeble. You can't accomplish that goal. You're not able to do that. Burned as they are, Tobiah the Ammonite. Oh yeah, now we have somebody else who's stepping in and taking control. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side said, what are they building? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. What are you guys doing? You can't do that. A fox, a 15 pound fox, is going to knock down and break down your wall of stones. Why do you even think you can do this? You people are horrible. You can't make this happen. You do not have the ability to do it. You can't. Sound familiar? Every time we start doing the will of God, opposition is going to come our way. Sambala and Tobiah were sitting there talking about how these people couldn't accomplish the goal. And they, then these people, Nehemiah and the people, were running up against the opposition. They were running up against somebody way stronger than them. 
and I know you know what I'm talking about. I know you understand what I'm saying because maybe, maybe you have said something to the effect of, I'm getting my finances in order. I'm telling you, you're gonna have a $700 car repair as soon as you start saying that or something like it. It happens. Maybe you've said, I'm gonna start working in the children's department at the church. And as soon as you do, a baby pukes up on you that first Sunday. Maybe you say, I am going to start working with the single moms. And all of a sudden you're being told, you don't even understand us. You're not a single mom. You've been married your whole life and you have three kids and they turned out great. Maybe you are running up against the opposition and something is happening to you and it's starting to crush you. I'm here to tell you, it means you're doing the work. Keep doing the work. Evaluate it and move forward. God is going to work in you. Do not let the criticism tear you down. <coughs> Do not let the criticism tear you apart. You are going to come up, with, up against opposition as soon as you start doing what God wants. Why? Because what do we know about the enemy? What do we know about the devil? He does not want you doing what God wants. He does not want you doing what God wants. In fact, if he doesn't see you as a threat, he's gonna leave you alone. How do you live a comfortable life? How do you live a life with Satan leaving you alone? Well, now you're living a comfortable life. Now you're not taking any chances. Now you're not going out and putting your faith in God and letting God do something through you. Now you're not saying, God, you've placed this on my heart. I hear it, I understand it. I'm not even gonna take the first step. I'm gonna stay here in my comfy chair and do the same thing I've done day in, day out. Because frankly, God, that makes me feel good. And I don't wanna do anything that may make me, that may be difficult and may be tough. I don't wanna do anything that's gonna have Satan attack me. I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing and everything will be okay. That's how you let Satan leave you alone. That's how you don't have any spiritual opposition. Because you can expect spiritual opposition the second you start doing something God wants you to do. The second you start doing spiritual things, Satan's going to attack. The second you start looking and saying, God, what is it you want from me? How do you want me to accomplish this? How's this gonna work? Satan is going to attack you. The moment you step out of your comfort zone, Satan's gonna come and he's gonna give you opposition and he's gonna make you doubt yourself. And he's gonna make you question whether or not you're doing what you should be. And he's gonna make you question everything that's around you. He's going to make you wonder if you really are doing the right thing. And he's going to use any means necessary to do it. He's going to use family. He's going to use friends. He's going to use people you don't even know. He's going to use people who will come in and they're praising, 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 and then they're going to drop the ball on you and let you know how bad you're doing and let you know what you need to do and, and tell you it's not going to work and tell you you're not strong enough. I don't care if it's leading you feel like you're supposed to be attending, going to a small group, just attending one. Satan's going to put a blockade in front of you to make you stop. 
He's going to put that temptation there to make you feel like you shouldn't, and you're going to be very tempted to stop. I don't care if it's working in the children's department at the church. I don't care if it's working in the youth department at the church. I don't care if it's uh, serving to build somebody's deck. I don't care if it's starting a compassion ministry deal. I don't care if it's working with unwed mothers. I don't care if it's standing up for the unborn babies. I don't care. Fill in the blank. Whatever it is God's laying on your heart to do, Satan is going to oppose it and he's going to make you feel like you can't do it. He's going to oppose it and he's going to make you feel like you can't do it. And the criticism is going to come. But can I tell you when the toughest criticism is for me is when it's come, coming from those who are closest to me. I had a friend in, in college that we went to dinner one night and he looked across the table at me and he couldn't believe that I was at a pastor's conference because I didn't have the study habits. Translated, you weren't smart enough. He knew how hard college was for me and he couldn't believe that I was actually a pastor. He couldn't believe that that was actually something I was doing and working on because I didn't have the study habits. Oh, he was okay with me being a youth pastor. Just I couldn't be a pastor as if there's a huge difference. Mm, really, it's just the positions within the church. You're both pastors because students are just as important as adults. But I'm telling you, when somebody close to you criticizes you, it takes a little bit out of you. It digs deep and it rips you. It's hard when haters hate on you. It's even more difficult. It's more difficult when the people closest to you do. But Satan will use whatever tactic he has. He will use whatever he can to make sure you understand what you can and cannot do. He's going to remind you of all the negative. And when the praise comes, he's going to remind you that you are all that and more. Because when we start having the pride, when we start thinking we're all that and more, all of a sudden, that's when we start being torn down. The opposition is there and he's going to use any matter he has, which is why a few things I want you to hear today. A few things I want you to, to hear today. When it comes to doing God's work, when it comes to opposition, just a few things you need to hear today. Number one, you ready for this? Number one, I'm not going to be moved by praise or criticism. I'm not going to be moved by praise or criticism. When I am moved by praise or criticism, I'm heading down the wrong path. When I get praise, I'm praising God for what he's done. When I get criticism, I'm praising God because I'm raising a hallelujah. I'm raising a hallelujah. I, in the presence of my enemies, I'm raising a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'm letting him know, letting Satan know, my glory's going to God and I'm not listening to you. I will not live off praise or off criticism. Listen to the verse four. In Nehemiah chapter four, go back to verse four. What does Nehemiah do? Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Stop right there. Hear us, O God. What did Nehemiah do? Remember, for four months, Nehemiah prayed about this. And then he asked the king. The king gave him permission. God went with them after four months of prayer. Now, 
the criticism come. What's Nehemiah do? He turns back to God. He turns back to God and says, hear us, O God. Now, I love this prayer. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Nehemiah knows that God will answer prayer. But what, but what uh, Nehemiah also knows is that he doesn't answer to his critics. He understands that he answers to God. This prayer, I love it so much because it's almost the same as singing the song. I pray the brakes go out going down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls on it from the windowsill. He's actually praying that these people have bad things happen to them. He obviously is ignoring the turn the other cheek. Or it hasn't come about yet. That's in the New Testament. So that hasn't come about yet. But Nehemiah is praying. He's knowing he doesn't answer to the critics. He knows the answers to God. So he starts praying, God, give them this. God, give them, them everything that they're asking upon us. Give to them. Look at verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. What'd they do? They went back to work. What'd they do? They said, you know what? We have our opposition. It's right there in front of us. And we're going to respond by turning to God in prayer and getting back to work. We're going to respond by doing everything we can, by doing our part and letting God do his. We're going to respond by doing what we know God has called us to do. And we're going to let God do his. We have the faith in the Almighty One that he's going to do what he that he's going to do his part and he's going to do far more than we can imagine it's almost like it's almost like nehemiah was saying or right it's almost like nehemiah was saying i'm going to pray like this all depends on god and i'm going to work like it all depends on me i'm going to pray like this all depends on god and i'm going to work like this all depends on me i'm going to do everything in my power to make this happen we are all spiritual and all practical. We need you, God. You guide our steps. We show up. We work. You do your part. I can only do what I can do. The practical side says, I am human. I can only do what I can do. God, you are God, the almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God, and you will do your part. I'm going to ignore my critics, and I'm going to do, God, my part as hard as I can. You do your part. Verse 10 jump down to verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. The strength of the laborers are giving out. There is so much rubble that we, we can't do it. Okay, there we go. There's so much rubble that we can't do it. We can't make this happen, God. We just can't. We, it's different than it used to be. It's not the same as it used to be. It's not easy like it was. We, yeah, God, we were inspired, but it's not the same. It's almost like the football field. These guys practice five or six days a week. When they'll start this coming August, hopefully they'll do daily doubles. Hopefully that will all happen. But they practice five or six days a week, and more than likely, their coach will say something to the effect of, we're going to practice till it's perfect. 
and then they're going to hit a game. And the game's going to kick off, the guy's going to catch it, and he's going to run down the field, and he's just going to get level. And then they're going to line up. And the linemen will block who they're supposed to block, the tight end will run his route, the wide receivers will do the route they're supposed to do, the running back will go where he's supposed to go, and the quarterback will do what he's supposed to do, and they're all going to get hit, and they're all going to feel it, and they're all going to go, wait a minute, this isn't the same as it was in practice. Because the other team wants to keep them scoring. They have opposition. They have opposition that is stepping in front of them. This isn't the same as it used to be. Verse 11. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Verse 12. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. God, it's happening. This is what happened before. Remember, we were attacked and we were taken into captivity. Remember? Verse 13. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. Therefore, I set it up. But God, remember? Remember what happened before? You have to remember something. When it comes to doing God's work, when it comes to facing opposition, I want to make sure I word this correctly. The external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. Everything that's happened around us, no matter how tired you get, no matter who's telling you what, all the opposition that comes your way is only going to be as loud as your internal insecurities allow them to be. These guys were saying, look, they're coming. We're weak. We're exactly what they say we are. We put a box on our wall. The wall's going to fall over. We don't know what we're doing. They're going to come and they're going to take us over. They're going to come and they're going to wipe us out. They're going to come and they're going to kill us. They're going to come and they're going to destroy us. Verse 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. And here's the key. You ready for this? Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Remember the Lord. Don't be afraid, because you can remember the Lord. Don't be afraid, because you can remember what he's done. Don't be afraid, because God's never going to forsake us. Don't be afraid, because he's never going to leave us. Don't be afraid, because he loves you. Don't be afraid, because you're doing his work. Don't be afraid, because he wins in the end. Don't be afraid, because the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Don't worry about what you feel on the inside, but remember, <laughs> remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Remember the Lord. Remember what he's done. Remember how he's changed you. Remember what he's done in your life. Can you imagine him standing up in front of those people and saying, don't be afraid, the nobles? <laughs> Can you imagine him standing up there and preaching some version of a sermon? 
Remember the goodness of God. Remember what he's done in your life. Remember when you were saved. Remember how he changed you and forgave you. Remember the, the things that he has provided for you, even over the last few years. Remember when you thought it was all lost and God came through. Remember when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Remember when you couldn't figure out which way was up and God came in and you said some version of a prayer, whether some people would say it was right or not, but your heart was in it and God came and entered your life. Remember when you were in college and throughout college and after you lost seven people in seven years to death. Remember when you were called into the ministry after you had flunked out of school and you went back not knowing if you were going to ever even be able to um, keep the grades up. And one of the things you were nervous about when you went back is, could I even do this? Am I smart enough to do this? Can I accomplish this goal? And the other thing you were worried about is, am I going to be able to ever get married? I'm single now, I'm getting kind of old. Is this ever gonna happen? And all of a sudden, not only did you graduate, but somewhere in that two and a half, three years, God brought this female that walked by who happened to be very hot, who thought you were good looking, why we still don't know why, but you wound up dating her, you wound up marrying her, and you've been partners in ministry for over 20 years. And she's the encouragement and she's the rock and remember everything I've done for you. Remember how this has all panned out. Remember that I said I would never leave you nor forsake you. Remember that you are not who you used to be anymore. Remember that your internal securities are not the truth. Remember that outward opposition is only, to get, is only going to be as loud as your inward insecurities. Your insecurities aren't the truth. God himself will take it and he'll make it what only he can. Your job is to do your part. Your job is to continue working and doing your part. Verse 14, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight people, fight. Stand up for what we believe in, the goodness of our God. Fight your, for your families, he says. Your sons, your daughters, your wives, your home. Somebody out there needs to hear this. Remember what the Lord has done for you and fight for healing. Remember what the Lord has done for you and continue to believe that he will continue to work in you. Fight and remember, or excuse me, remember and fight that you can get out of debt. Fight that your marriage will succeed. Fight that your ministry will flourish. Fight that, that giving clothes away to the poor will just continue to grow and you can continue to minister to them. Fight and remember. Remember that God is awesome. Remember that the Lord is awesome. And fight for what you know you're supposed to be doing. Fight for what you know you're supposed to be doing. The last thing I need you to understand is if you're not ready for opposition, 
if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God because it's going to happen. Satan's not going to stand by and watch. The devil prowls around like a lion, ready to seek and destroy. He's waiting to try and destroy you. It's going to happen. If you're not ready for opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God because it's going to happen. All different ways. I need you to understand. I need you to ask God to make you ready. If you're not ready, you need to be asking God to make you ready. If you're not ready, you need to be saying, God, help me. I want to be more like you. I want to be ready. I know the opposition's coming. I want to put my faith in you. I want to put my trust in you. I want to put it all there. Take it, Father. I empty my hands of it. Go. It's you, God, that I want. It's you, God, that I desire to be like. It's you, God, that I want to be obedient to. And when the opposition comes, I'll be ready for it. And it may knock me down, but I'm getting back up because I'm going to remember that, God, you changed me and you worked in me and you will continue to do so for your glory. What do people do when there's something in the world that doesn't sit right with them? What do you need to do when there's something that's that's working on you and you you think it might be an obedience issue with God? What do you do? You ready for this? First, you sit down and cry. You kneel down to pray. You stand up and act. Then, with God directing your steps, what do you do? You seek God faithfully. You define the vision clearly. You make plans carefully. And you inspire people passionately. And when you do that, and you start going, and the opposition comes, you don't take the praise or criticism too heavy. You don't let the outward opposition dictate your inward insecurities. You don't let your inward insecurities dictate your outward opposition, sorry. You don't let those insecurities dictate how you respond to the opposition. You remember what God's done. And last, you remember, if you're not ready for opposition in your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. So I ask you, what is it that burns you? What is it that just doesn't sit well with you? Oh, it may, it may seem so big and daunting right now that you can't figure out how to even do it. Well, I understand that. Remember, Nehemiah spent four months praying. Four months leaning in. What is it that burns you? What is it? that you are to be obedient to God and start doing. And when you do, 
and that opposition comes, hold on. God is bigger because our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. You and God are an unstoppable team. You do your hard work. God can do his. How do we say that a little bit ago? Oh yeah, we said pray like everything depends on God. Work like everything depends on you. And you and God together will have that relationship and you will continue to go and continue to grow and continue to build. And pretty soon you'll look back and you'll go, how did this happen? Meanwhile, the opposition will still come. Keep turning to him. Keep leaning into him and letting him guide your path. Father, I thank you for these guys. I thank you for what you've done. Father, I thank you for our church. Father, I thank you for, for you working in our lives. Speak to each one of us individually, Father. Burn in our hearts what you want of us. Show us your path. Show us your will. Show us your way. Show us what we need to be doing. And when opposition comes, Father, help us remember that you are the great big God who knows all, who is all, who loves all, and the God with the plan who says, pray like it all depends on you and work like it all depends on you. And together, we will accomplish more than we could possibly imagine. Father, again, I thank you. I love you. Work in us. Work through us. Challenge us, Father. Work in us and speak to each one that we may be what you have designed us to be. We love you, Father, and then we pray. Amen. Hey, have a great week. Thanks again. We will see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for prayer night. Be looking in the next couple days for um, an update from me, from the board, and what we're looking at. I'll be glad to give one. I'll be sending it out here, oh, probably by Wednesday. But in the meantime, I want you again to keep praying about all of us joining back together and keep praying about what God's putting on your heart. Have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday night.